I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've never been that drunk <laughs> in my life. You're pretty hammered. <laughs> You're hammered there, and the other, the other place... Cause I've only, I mean, I, how many times have I been out drinking with you? Maybe like half a dozen times properly, right? Hello, sweet friends, and welcome to the Vandaltrong Curious World Podcast. Have you ever gone throughout your day and then you're kind of blindsided by a comment of somebody saying something negative to you, um, whether it's a stranger or somebody that you really know and you think that they know you? Just, you know, hey, you know, you're a jerk or I'm really offended that you did this. You know, I've been thinking about this. Uh, I think it regardless if it's a stranger or, or, or somebody that we know. And when they make these kind of comments about you, uh, I, I think as human beings, we, we want things from other people. And, 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 we, and with the thing that we want, I don't necessarily mean uh, things, the tangible things. I mean, we want an emotional response. You know, I'm kind to you, I want you to be kind back to me. Uh, you know, I reveal something about myself I want you to do the same thing. And I think sometimes when people, when we don't get that, our, our feelings get hurt, and as a result, we, we tend to lash out. You know? And it is hurtful, I think, sometimes when we are vulnerable and it's not reciprocated. It's painful. And rather than feel pain, I think we some people kind of switch to anger because with anger there's this idea of control um i was told recently that i am a jerk and it was by somebody that took me by surprise and uh i don't know i hadn't really th i mean i don't really thought about it too much uh until now you know trying to record this intro um because again you know i think a lot of times we, we're not we, we can only dictate our lives based on our own moral code and sometimes people are going to react to us and it has nothing to do with us it's really more about what they're going through you know in in our lives I don't think people will remember you know the things we say or even the things we do I think they'll remember how we make them feel I know I certainly do with my friends and the people that I love. Um, anyway, it's a good segue. Uh, my guest today is Alan Murray, who I've known for many years, and he is, aside from being a very talented musician, uh, he's a, he's a, a swell sweetheart of a guy. Uh, you know, you, it, it's really funny how, like, sometimes you, you know, you have a friend and. Who's, who's also somebody you admire, who's very talented, but also is a good soul. And that's the best way I describe Alan. He's just a good soul. And, um, you know, in this show, toward the end, we'll, you know, he's, he's you know, we're, we're talking about like, oh, I'll see if I could try to go to the, uh, you know, the ACDC concert. They play, ACDC played uh, Giant Stadium 
And I think it was like five years ago that Alan tried to get me to go and I, I had to do like some bullshit work gig. And uh, I regretted it and uh, I wasn't, I was still teetering whether or not I could go to this show. Uh, end up going. And I think it's a testament to his heart and uh, just the type of person he is because it was, uh, it was important for him that I experienced it because he knew what ACDC meant for me. Uh, ACDC was a, a band that, when I was growing up, you know, I, I I discovered them while other, you know, other kids in school were like into The Cure or whatever. And obviously, nothing to, no offense to those, you know, bands, but people were making fun of me for liking ACDC, like it was like meathead music or whatever. And I, I didn't really care. I just felt like, I don't know. I, I felt like this is like fun music. And through that, it made me have the backbone to say, like, well, if I like this, maybe I'll like other things. And that started, it was kind of like the gate, you know, the gateway to other types of music. And uh, and also, it's a, they're a kick-ass band. I mean, I guess if you, if you don't have anything, if you don't want anything to do with them, then, then you know, whatever. It was really important for Alan that, to, that I experience it. And I'm glad that he pushed me. And it was a kick-ass show. And... That, again, that's the testament. That's a testament to the type of person he is. This conversation is really fun. We get into his background of growing up in Scotland, um, <laughs> his uh, take on, on modern art. We both think it's bullshit, and uh, and life, and you know what it means to be happy in this world, and to to to, to grow and learn and evolve. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Without further ado. I don't even know what that means. Without further ado, I'm not ado. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing any do. So how can I have any further ado? Anyway, without further delay, uh, my conversation with Alan G. Murray. Um, anal rape, um, yeah, cookies, mm-hmm. you know, anal cookies. So speaking of uh, rape, <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about uh, that guy, Subway Jared? No. You know, Sub- you don't know anything about Subway Jared. No, no. You know that guy who like lost all that weight just by eating Subway sandwiches. Uh, vaguely, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. About a month, a couple weeks ago, he was, um, he got, he got nabbed for, uh, he had child pornography on his computer. Yes. And so, today, he pleaded guilty to having sex with underage boys and girls. So he, he's going away for at least 15 years. Yeah. Dude, you have money. Why, why are you so careless? I guess people don't pay attention. They don't think that, like, there's going to be... They don't think that people are looking for shit like this. But I love the fact that it's boys and girls. I mean, he's just like, he's at the buffet, and he's just like... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. well, 
Well, he, you know, he's been eating one thing forever. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little variety in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah like extra mail. But do you, is that something you think about? Not, not, not. Pray for children. Not, sorry, sorry. Only when they're really hot. Yeah, I, I mean, going to like going to jail. I mean, we've had jail talk talk before. <laughs> that's that's what I know. Like you're a good friend. It's like if you already, we've already had jail talk. <laughs> um. Well, I've yeah. I mean, I've I've occasionally thought about that. You know, like you know, if you. Not because I do anything illicit in my life, nothing illegal that would get me into trouble, but like, you know, how many times do you hear like someone just completely cracking out of nowhere? Normal no, people just but it's like, just like, you know, like my friend, like I remember my friend, uh, he was at like a wedding in Buffalo and he didn't have his ID on him and the cops were giving him shit and it just escalated. And yeah. Then he got arrested. Right, exactly. Yeah. Something like, something just like out of nowhere, you know, if you got in a, whatever, if you got in a car accident and like, some like road rage nightmare or some like so what would you do in prison <sighs> like rider or the horse <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean I guess you could I mean you could join like a like a Westies gang or something right or would you just become a skinhead well I'd, ch- I'd probably try and make myself as weird and unapproachable just like weird like lone wolf type of Guy, you know, <laughs> you know I, this goes Just back. So no one talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back. So uh, I remember reading uh, G. Gordon Liddy's biography, uh-huh. and he said that you know when he went, when he got arrested after Watergate, he had to go to prison. He said it was my number one priority that I wasn't going to get raped, and he didn't. Yeah. He said so in his biography. He was saying that he would have to fight guys, or he would right. just be have this aura. Yeah, that he and he didn't get raped, and like so that's the only thing I think about when I think Don't about get G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah, yeah. Man, I couldn't help it. I think I would just, I would just get raped. I'd probably just kill myself before I go. I guess it depends what your like, what your sentence was. I mean, what like if you're if you're gonna be there for six months, just fucking hit the gym, <laughs> you know, like get jacked. Use it like like boot camp, you know. You know, if it's like a 10, 15 year like sentence with no chance of parole and like yeah you'd think about just like but I don't know man I mean like get yourself a couple degrees I've seen uh Some shit. so I know um jerk off all the time with the cellmate I just you know just like, hey, dude, look this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess you pretend to beat each other up so you get put in solitary. <laughs> solitary is like, like solitary confinement is like alone time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I guess that was that, that, for a week. You know? That would be like the thing, right? People always say like, well, I'm not gonna get raped. I'll just go to the solitary confinement. Yeah. But like, I don't know, man. I get kind of stir crazy pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But I guess I figured like, well, it's either this or getting. Beaten up and raped. Yeah. I guess I'll take this. Take some, yeah. Time on your... On your own. Punch the clown with no end. <laughs> Watching. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you just jerk off, pass out, wake up, jerk off, and pass out. <laughs> <laughs> That's most... That's not like what I do most yeah, of the day. That's like most dudes. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, which is a good segue, by the way, in terms of what you've been doing. Um, so the last time that we saw each other was, uh, I guess, um, was it a year, two years ago? No, but about a year ago. So um, it was I know, a while before that. Though. I know you were. I mean, actually, ever since I've known you, you've you've hit the road pretty hard. Uh, yeah. You know, playing your music and so forth. Right. Um, how's that been? Great. Um, I've been through a few different like sort of eras. Um, at the moment, um, I'm playing better music and more with like friends than than I have done previously. I mean, I've been like a mercenary, like I'm hired session musician basically for you were in Orlando for like five months right I did six months yeah at a, an Irish bar down in like on Disney property basically so um, what's that like for I mean like I'm not familiar with that and for like people listening like how do you how do you, you just kind of you become like you become like the Tom Waits sad guy in the corner just like well, jamming well uh, it kind of depends I mean you know I play Irish music I play, I play like traditional Irish music, which most people have never really heard. I mean, it's like old style of instrumental music and obscure songs from, mostly from like, you know, 100 to 200 years ago, you know, like it's old, old traditional folk music, basically. Most people think Irish music and they, all they think it is like either like the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners, you know, the kind of sing-song kind of bar. <laughs> or, or like... Drinking songs, or like... What, they danced in the Shire, too? <laughs> yeah, you know, like the river dance thing, like sort of like the, you know, Irish dance. Which, I mean, that's the thing, too. And it's not too far away from, from what I've gone on. Or they, or they think of, like, you know, the Dropkick Murphys, you know, okay. which is, as a good friend of mine likes to say, you know... Dropkick Murphys are to Irish music what Olive Garden is to Italian food. <laughs> you know, um, so when you go to the, when so when you're playing, are the owners Irish as well? Or yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know this this particular place, Irish company. You know they're trying to provide an Irish you know brand of entertainment, an Irish you know environment. So it's like. Irish food, there's Irish, like, terrible Irish comedy on in the bathrooms when you go in, like, you know, playing on the overhead. Colmini or... Just, like, awful stuff, you know. Terribly, like, out-of-date and borderline racist Irish jokes, you know. Wait, from Ireland or from... From Ireland, you know, like, old Irish guys making jokes about how, how stupid Irish people are. You know? So what was... Our, I've never actually never been to Florida. What was Orlando like? It's terrible. It's just boring. I mean, it's okay. I mean, you know, like, did you get downtime? Did you go to SeaWorld or anything? <laughs> no, I have moral uh, problems with SeaWorld. But we did get free passes to Disney, which is pretty funny. Um, we, uh, I went to I went to Magic Kingdom. Went to Epcot. Epcot is basically like you know the adult theme park because you can drink. So like, it's like a kind of World Fair setup. So they like. Pavilions with like different cult, you know, different countries. So it was like the like British Isles, and then you walk a little bit further, and there's like Mexico, and then there's Japan, you know, and you just like. Oh, I've heard about that. So yeah. you just go and like. They're all nightclubs, right? No, it's just like you know, there's little restaurants, and there'll be like themed 
entertainment and stuff like that throughout the whole areas. And then, I mean, it's, it's kind of pointless. I mean, you pay like $150 to get in and then you still have to pay for everything. The drinks are more expensive than anything. Are you a big roller coaster but, guy? No, not really. And there's, not that am, many, man. there's not that many rides in Epcot either. So like, there's like little, like, like experiences, little animatronic things and like little... They like, still have the boys. Michael Jackson thing? Captain EO? Is that still around? I don't know. I never saw that. It, I mean, I was a big deal like in the 80s. Okay, yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, I don't know, actually. Um, the best thing I did see, you'll appreciate this, is... Uh, so we were in Epcot. And we are just getting drunk for the afternoon, you know. Like we went after work. We had a day shift, so we went after work. Went in there. And um, they do like a little concert series, I think, over like maybe April... March and April. And uh, they'll get a band in. You know, usually some kind of... F-list celebrity band has been banned, you know, of some sort, you know, like, <laughs> like, oh, like, saw, like Mickey Dolan's son. Well, no, I mean, we saw like, we actually went back when we found out this was happening, we went back to see the Guess Who, you know, <laughs> which turns out only had like two original members and it was like the drummer and the bass player, both who didn't sing or anything, you know, so they had like, you know, some schmaltzy guy singing and a keyboard guy and like, whatever else. They were good fun, but what spurred it on was... We were in Epcot and we were just like drinking our faces off. And we walked by the pavilion and we saw that there was a band on, like starting in like 20 minutes. And it was the village people. <laughs> do they get like, re- does the cast get refreshed or are they still like the guys? That's what I was absolutely fascinated to hear that it was all original members. Oh, that's one band like they can like, they can be like Doctor Who and reinvent themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know. So it's hilarious. Me and my friends just getting drunk doing the YMCA, very enthusiastically. Wait, they they have a whole show? Well, that's the thing. They only do they only play for like thirty minutes. I would imagine YMCA YMCA twice and YMCA, you know, in the Navy. Oh right, I remember that. One. Macho Man, <laughs> like whatever. I think we only caught three songs, which is all we needed to hear. Really. Uh, what was your impression of the Village People when you were younger? Well, it's funny, because I think myself, like most people, didn't re- realize that it was a gay cultural Me thing. Me neither. I mean, you I, just I thought, thought it was like... I thought they were like superheroes. <laughs> right. Because you had like all these different types. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is really cool. They're like action, action figures, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like, I got a little bit older, I'm like... Jesus, how come nobody told me? I mean, they were like super gay. Super gay. I mean, like... I don't know how like how it was perceived by the like the mainstream media at the time when it came out. What was it? Was it so obviously gay, or was it kind of like the way that like Freddie Mercury wasn't seen as gay at all until like he came out? And people were like, "Wow, really? <laughs> like, did you ever see him perform or do, do anything? Like, tell me that was like, how did you not know?" I, yeah, I guess I guess maybe the world is a little more naive then. I guess, yeah. Um, I, I do want to get back to the the, the Irish, the, oh, yeah, the sure. Irish, you know, bar right. owners in, yes. in a second. But one thing that I've always been curious about with you that I, I never really um, got into was um, so you grew up in Scotland, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you must have had a huge uh, West Western cultural influence on you. 
Yeah, so I mean, I I was born in the States. I was born in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. My mom and dad lived there for a long time. I lived there till I was nine, then went to Glasgow, Scotland, and was there till, till I was like 22. So I've been, I've been over here for 11, 12 years now. So definitely like a mixed bag. Um, are they are they Scottish? They are. My my family are all living in, in Glasgow. My mom and dad, my three sisters, nieces, and nephews, and all that. Um, Why were they in Florida? My dad had a bunch of sisters that basically, I think, all one of them married American servicemen who were stationed over in Scotland and all one by one moved over to the States. I think my dad just felt left out, basically. So my dad came over, um, most of the, his sisters were mostly in like New, in like New Jersey and Virginia and places like that, but my dad somehow ended up in, in Florida and was worked in the shipyards for years and years and various things. Um, so yeah, my, my, myself and the youngest of my, my three sisters um, were born in the States before the family. And how old were you when you went to Scotland? Nine. What was that like? That must have been really hard. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean... Because was, nine years old, you start to get a, a, a perceived notion of the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like... Yeah, I went to... When we went over to Scotland, to Glasgow, like... There was a, basically like a sort of disaster and like like getting our house sold over here and stuff like that. So we ended up basically we ended up living sort of with my my grandmother and getting a little apartment like close to her in Glasgow. And it was a terrible, terrible neighborhood. So I ended up at like a school in an awful area. So basically, I just get the shit kicked out of me like <laughs> on a daily basis. Like I was just getting bullied. I got bullied from the teachers, like, I got, like, ridiculed from the teachers. They wouldn't accept any of my grades from, from the States. Like, and then you were just kind of like an American kid, right? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, So I was like, you know, this little American kid that was just easy pickings for everyone, so... Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty shite, really. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, uh, I got, like... You know, I had no friends for, for years, really. Except for... At this, you know, at the age of probably nine and a half or something like that is when I started playing music, which was not in school. It was like a kind of this kind of cultural Irish music cultural program that is worldwide, and there happened to be like a little uh, a little branch of it at the, the sort of parish church that we were, we were right by, and I started playing music there. So I had a couple friends that I played music with there, but. What compelled you to to give this a shot, or were you forced to? Uh, kind of somewhere in the middle. It was just like I have no choice. Right? Well, my parents were like, you know, desperate to find things for us to all to do, like myself and my my sisters and all that. So this was like literally down the street at the, at the local church hall. So it was just like, oh, we'll just pile you in there. So my sisters already played uh, a little bit of violin, like classical violin, and like school orchestra kind of stuff. So they took to the fiddle, and I was just a kid, so they just handed me like a tin whistle, which is like a six-hold sort of instrument, a bit like a recorder, but um, a little cooler. 
but it's, it's like... A, what, what's it made out of? Because a recorder's plastic. Recorder's plastic. A tin whistle is like metal, usually brass or nickel-coated brass with a plastic mouthpiece. It just has six holes. Um, it's a cool instrument, but it's every kid starts on it because it's the cheapest. They're like 10 bucks. <laughs> you know. Um, How long did you play that? I still play it now and again, but... Yeah, since the age of nine. I took to it really fast. It was pretty good at it, so I ended up sticking with it. And then, you know, the age of 14, when I was in high school and stuff like that, you know, I met met a couple of people who played, you know, music or were like at least interested in, in music. And uh, and they played the recorder and you were, you were like, let's get together. No, this is like, <laughs> this is beyond those things. This is like <clears throat> when we were, you know, playing guitars and wanting to play like Oasis and Beatles. And well, yeah, so how did you get into that? How did you get into like, wow, this is, was it because... I mean, like for me, I got into like music and and movies and and you know, comic books and stuff because I'm kind of similar to to you and I, like I didn't have many friends. Uh, we moved around a lot, so it was really hard for me to make friends. And as a kid, I was pretty shy. And um, and then there was that there was um, actually I was just talking about this the other day. So I lost my dog. Um, who, and he was my dog, and I lost him, and nobody was really sympathetic to me. Right. And so that's when I just said, okay, I'm not going to talk for this year. So that's when I started really get into like music and, and movies and stuff like that. Things you can enjoy on your own. Yeah. yeah, and I just didn't, I guess I started getting into my like Holden Caulfield era of my mm-hmm. life where I was just like, ah, everybody's phony. Um, but, uh, but that was such a pivotal gateway for me in, in, to, to, to find those things on my own like how did you so what was the, the springboard for you in terms of getting into like particularly rock music well <clears throat> you know I, I, growing up in, in Scotland in Britain in the 90s like there's a lot of really bad music going on you know there was a like, basically, particularly at my school, and my year, even more specifically, like, people were just terrible. Terrible people. Terrible, like, sheep. Like, they just did, everyone did exactly the same thing. Everyone wore exactly the same thing. If you didn't do exactly the same thing as them, then you were, like, beaten to a bloody pulp. And what was it that, that they wanted to do? So it was like like da- like bad chart dance music. Oh. And so I'm thinking like the, oh like say Ace of Bass. Like yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yeah. And like and like te- like techno. Like Aqua Girl? I remember those. No, not like pop like uh, not like cheesy pop Euro pop. It was like happy hardcore like Chumbawamba is it no not even like you would it'd be like ultrasonic kind of stuff okay, okay. Be, you know a little more cool than just like the pop stuff okay. but this was like I remember we had to wear a school uniform and like once or twice a year you were allowed to like buy a ticket for like you know one pound or whatever it was like for charity and you got to wear your own, your own clothes I got beat up for wearing jeans because jeans weren't cool. Like a pair of fucking blue jeans. What? Like, only, you'd only wear like a tracksuit. <laughs> like it was, it was like 
something out of you think it was a movie. You think it would be like a, like. What was the connotation if you wore jeans? They, like you're some kind of fucking hippie, like you know, um, some kind of whatever, you know. Um, so basically, two two things happened was that suddenly a band called Oasis broke into the charts and became cool, and and they were like not just cool, but because they were like super like working class, like they were like. And Manchester in England is a very similar town to Glasgow in Scotland. Very, very working class. And these guys were not, they were not like prep school. They were not like art school, like rock band. They weren't indie rock at all. They were like a working man's kind of rock band. So they got into the charts. So suddenly it became like cool, you know. And then the other funny thing was, you know, I was getting made fun of for wearing like jeans and a black t-shirt you know <laughs> to, to like school and wear your own clothes day and like every other person is wearing like a tracksuit you know regardless of you know most of these people were like fat and didn't play, play sports <laughs> like, couldn't play sports anyway eating a, eating like a Big Mac or, yeah. or Gatorade and not even running right so I had one friend wait not that's, is that still around the boy band era Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is this would have been like I would have been f- like what four, 13, 14 years old. Okay. So this is 94, 95, 95 I guess. Okay. Um, and uh, here's me like getting ridiculed for wearing like jeans and a t-shirt, and uh, literally no one else in my whole year was wearing anything other than a tracksuit. And then I spotted one guy who I didn't know. I'd maybe seen him around before. And he was wearing not only jeans, but he was wearing like shredded, like acid wash jeans. Like Joe Elliott? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a, like a fringed leather biker jacket with like Queen Wembley 86, like painted on the back. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 you know? And uh, basically, like, you know, ended up talking to this guy. We ended up like, you know, best friend for years. He's like, no, it was best friend. You know, and he played, he was interested in playing music and playing like real music. And uh, we started playing, you know, we got into Oasis, we started playing guitar, we got, you know, we were into like the Beatles and Zeppelin and ACDC and all that stuff. You know, as time went on, we, you know, as you do, you just discover more and more things from, you know, from your parents or from like your your mates like CD collections compared right. to your or own just your own research yeah yeah yeah. you know I've always um, what was your but do you did you have an inkling of like you know I, I really need to go to the states um not at that time I didn't really I didn't really think about it until quite a long time later um I finished high school Ever since the first first year that I, I, I got to Scotland when I was nine years old, um, I got such shitty fucking treatment from my teacher there. Like, literally ridiculed, like, stood up on a chair in front of the class and made fun of for being American and for not knowing, like, local colloquialisms, like, local information about things that... Unless you grew up right there, you wouldn't hope to know, like, what bus went where, like... What the name of like the 
the mayor of Glasgow or whatever, like things like this, like silly things that completely devastating for a child, like a nine-year-old child to be ridiculed for by the teacher at a, in a class where they're already getting bullied by the other students, you know? Right. They wouldn't accept any of my grades. So I went from, I, I was at, like, when I was in school over here, I was like in a gifted child program. You know, we went to school, I went to like a special school like on a Tuesday because I had like super high IQ or whatever and it was like, it was like an advanced class kind of thing. So I was, I was a very smart kid. Like, they put me in like the lowest reading group, the lowest math group, the lowest everything for like a, a year over a year. And so I sat in, I sat in school for a, a nine-year-old kid who's really smart, sitting in school doing nothing every day. Like no homework, no anything, no friends. Like literally going from reading, like I was, I was nine years old, I read like, I'd read books like full, I would read, read in my spare time. And I'd read like a... Just be careful there, because oh, yeah, I'm picking sorry. a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. That's all right. I mean, you can do it. Sorry, just wanted you to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's um, listening with earbuds. It's like... Ah. Like, I'd read like The Hobbit. I'd read Treasure Island. I'd read like... like real, real books, you know, that like a smart did you Did you say like, fuck this, I want to go back to Florida? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, but, you know, I, my parents were having a hard enough time on their own, and they sort of didn't really... You know, when I tried to tell them how bad it was, they didn't really, like, they didn't really listen, you know. And I wasn't much of a, like, complainer, so I kind of just shut up and took it. But that basically ruined me for school completely because I, I got bored, I got lazy. So I went through, all the way through high school, just, like, putting in the bare minimum of effort. So when it came to, like finishing high school and applying to college or this, that, and the next. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was supposed to be going to art school, but I did like a summer, like a week-long summer placement thing at Glasgow School of Art. I just thought everyone were complete dicks. <laughs> like just, I remember some guy, I remember like we were being, you know, talked to by this guy who was like one of the Sort of PhD had just been like awarded like the highest award in the school and he was showing us his you know his installation and the guy had like a shaved head and then like with twisted devil horns and like like coolio or yeah basically but, <laughs> but like just two of them and going up the way you know and like his his installation was like a, a bl an empty white room with like 11 cardboard boxes just like ripped into four and like stapled to the wall you know and I fucking hate modern art <laughs> I fucking hate it like I, I cannot cannot give credit to someone who like just you know like it's like winging it completely winging it and then just the only the only artistic part is them like creatively bullshitting about right. why it's important, you know, like, yeah, I, I I'm just like, I, you know, I, so I was like, I don't want any part of this at all, you know, so I didn't really know what I was doing. My, my grades, I got like, okay grades coming out of school just because I, 
was smart enough to like get away with just kind of like I said just putting in the bare minimum you know but they weren't they weren't excellent grades so I couldn't go and do anything that I wanted in school but I had to pick something and by this point I, I was mostly all I cared about was music and playing music and whatever so I decided to go to school for a musical instrument building and repair so I went to like kind of it wasn't a university, it was like a sub, it was like a college, but it was a, it was like a lower level course, it was kind of like a trade course that would lead up to a degree if you, if you cared to pursue it as a degree. Um, was, but it wasn't, it was like on the, um, on the back end, like more, more like sound engineering or? No, it was like building guitars and, oh, and, oh, and oh, oh. fiddles and mandolins or whatever, you know, and repairing. So I did that for... About, what, about two years um, and ended up leaving um, I got a job I had already been working in a, in, a, in a music store and I got offered a full-time position and uh, I kind of just wanted to have some money <laughs> so like I took the job and uh, I really enjoyed the job it was great I was working for great great people um, I was good at it. I liked that. It was the only store that I would buy anything from anyway, because they were like good guys. They weren't dickheads. Um, you know, I, I I already shopped there, so, and I already worked there like on a Saturday. I had, I had like a little part time job, so they offered me a full time job, and I was like, yeah, sure. So I ended up working there for a couple of years, and I sort of started to realize that I was just fed up. Like, I didn't, it took me a while to realize that I was being a dick to sort of my friends and my family and my, just in my social life, I was just really unhappy. You know, we, I was doing the same thing. I was going to the same, the same bars, like night after night with the same people. I was intolerant of like meeting new people. I just assumed everyone was a dick. Like, you know. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just like, uh, I don't fuck you, I don't like why don't like, you know. Yeah. And uh and I started basically I started to think that people ever, would meet you, like yeah. <laughs> I don't care, fuck you. <laughs> basically, you know. And I, I was like, why are all these people such fucking assholes, you know? I like, like I don't why, I don't give a shit about any of these people, you know, like why like what and, I, and and you would you would encounter the same types that you went to school with, like the nylon tracksuits? No, no, I was removed from that. But what I started to realize was that I was the asshole. Oh, right. I was just having, I just had no time for other people because my life was stagnant and I wasn't being fulfilled with, with things, you know? So basically I was, I, I, I just came to the point where I was like, I gotta change something that I'm doing because I'm going to be, I'm just gonna become a bigger and bigger prick to the people that I care about, my, my friends, my family, you know, and I don't want to be that person. So I was like, well, what do I do? Do I cut my job? Do I go somewhere else? Do I do this And a friend of mine, my friend George, is a great drummer that I've played with for, for years. Um, a great guy. We were just like drinking one night. I think it was after a gig, actually. We were drinking one night and we're like, talking about, just talking about how shit. Glasgow was and I, you know whatever and uh, 
we should fuck. We should just move to America. Like just like just up and leave and just fuck off and go to go to America. And uh, it was kind of wishful thinking at the time, um, for him at least. But I started thinking about it more and more, and you know, I hadn't thought about it for years. But I realized I have dual citizenship, so I I could just come over here if I wanted to, you know. So I had no savings. I had no plan. I had nothing. I literally had like two weeks paycheck. Got a one-way ticket. Sorry. Sorry. Right. That was a pretty loud pop. <laughs> Bang. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was just like, fuck it, I'm going. So I got a flight to New York and landed. Why'd here. you pick New York? The cheapest place to fly to. Really? Oh, well, I guess that makes sense. Um, and it's fucking New York. Well, right. Well, you know. that would be... The other but I, I actually, I didn't really know anything. New York, it was the only city that I'd really been to. Um, you know, I'd come over maybe when I was 16 or something to visit. You want another one? Or? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you some coffee before mm. uh, you hit the road. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when we, the, the, when, how we first met? The very first one... Which one was what? Remind me of the very first one. It was uh, it was L. McPherson. Oh yeah, we worked. Uh, so Alan and I um, uh, worked a catering gig for uh, none other than uh, esteemed supermodel L. McPherson. That's right. And uh, I just remember, I remember meeting you on, on the, the day of the job. And I just remember. I, I didn't really give a shit about you. I was just like, over, <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed about the gig. Like, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. we're gonna meet Ellen McPherson. Yeah, yeah, like, likewise. I remember. And she was actually pretty. I don't know if you get to talk to her that day. She was super cool. Yeah, super cool. And like, Hot she, real life, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I was kind of uh, smitten by the fact that she actually cared about like her product. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, another thing that too for me was revealing is like, so that day was kind of like a press thing, and you had like. People come in and like I remember, remember that photographer. Yeah. She was directing the photographer what to do, right. and I think because of her fame and because you know yeah. her stature, mm-hmm. and that guy was like shitting in his pants. Oh, totally. And he was like, okay, and she was like, okay, now shoot this. Do this, do this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, get me the fucking camera because all she's doing is telling you what to do. I can do that. <laughs> it was funny. I mean. I was doing those gigs because I was broke. Same as you, I'm sure, right? You know. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Of course. Well, one thing that you're caterer. You know. <laughs> one thing that. Uh, well, what's sad is actually, <laughs> I mean, I'm still doing that type of work. But one thing that um, that hey. I've noticed uh, for for me is, uh, um, you know, as as you know, as I continue whatever artistic journey that I'm in in New York. That the people that I've, you know, that I used to be shoulder to shoulder with and, you know, collaborate with or even just, even just be friends with on an artistic level, they're, they've gone, they've, their roads have diverged as well too. Yeah. I mean, as a musician, do you, do you find that in terms of, because like you've hit, you've hit the road pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very funny. I mean, I always lament people that I 
people I've been friends with, people that I don't get to see as much. You're you're one of them. I mean, like people I used to hang out with, used to see pretty regularly, and then you just don't get to. I mean, being. Being a musician, I had this realization earlier today that like, music is, it's a drug. I mean, it's, it's an addiction. Um, and often you can't, you're completely unable to resist prioritizing music before anything else. Even if it's just like, like going to a bar and sitting and playing, like the way that Irish music works is like, it's not a performance based music. It's not up on stage, look at me. I mean, it's, it's like sitting with your backs turned to, to people at a bar, sitting in a corner, facing each other, playing music and just getting lost in the music you're playing. And how long are your nights and your sets? A set gig will be like maybe three hours. A lot of stuff I do now is on stage. It's, it's with bands, whatever, like that. But that's not... What I'm talking about is like, you know, sitting in a corner playing music with either your friends or people, perfect strangers you've never met before. Right. Just like, like completely locking in. Um, like when we went to the Ear Inn. I, I can't remember if you, we were hanging out that night or we, you actually were playing. I think you yeah. played on a, a song of one of your friends. Okay, yeah, yeah. But something like that, right? Where the band is just kind of hanging out and people can come and go as they want. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, like, you know, some of these festivals... I was in a festival just this past weekend. Um, and it's like, you know, bands. It's like a real festival. So, like, bands up on stage. And it'd be, like, set bands. You know, we wouldn't have, like, a bunch of guests and stuff like that. But... Then afterwards in the hotel, everyone's dying to get back to the hotel so they can just play tunes with each other. Wow. So they just sit in the corner and like play tunes with people they've never met before, or like friends they haven't played with in years, or like their buddies, even their bandmates, who you'd think they'd be like sick of playing with, you know, they just like sit and just like play tunes. Would it be how would, would it be different than what they played? Yeah, usually all the show showmanship and the sort of like um spectacle of like a band performance on a stage with like an audience is removed the the uh, this traditional thing the need to be perfect or the need to to display what you're doing both both yeah. of those things are completely gone and it's just it's the only important thing left is the music you know so you then you're just playing jigs and reels these traditional types of tunes that are you know the core, the be all and end all, really, of the of the Irish music tradition or these tra- traditional tunes, and it doesn't matter who anyone is. It doesn't matter who. Someone could be like a part of like the biggest band, but it doesn't matter. They'll still be like following whoever's leading, even if it's this the old man leading off like a couple of like scratchy fiddle tunes. You know that's the that's the scene of it. You know, and you could be doing that for like I've literally been in the same been in a session playing tunes for. 14, 15 hours at a time with no break. Wow. Just, you forget to eat, you forget to drink, you forget to sleep. You know, you just, you know. It's just kind of just uh, like a flow, right? It's a flow. And, 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 and you it, just kind of come in and out. Yeah, and, and the music is the only thing. It's not even, it's not, not players, it's 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 just the, just the music, you know. So it's, it's, it's crazy. So I sort of had a realization about this today and, um, 
it's funny how your your social life, your sort of uh, a lot of your real life can get just completely forgotten about it, completely sidetracked when you're when you're in that frame of mind, um, or tied into like a, a tradition like that. Um, for myself, I, it's been it's been very different. Like in the past, I guess like in the past five years. You know, I was, I was basically living in the city, working, just playing music in the city with, with people I knew. I would leave town maybe a couple times a year to play elsewhere. But I was broke. I got offered a, a job with, you know, a band that I didn't really like, you know. Did, did, you, did you, like, fight the, one of them guys? Well, I mean, no, I didn't fight. I mean, it was like... You know, I was basically playing for this very, very much older man who was a, you know, quite a big deal in, in Irish, not really traditional Irish music as I'm talking about, but kind of like the song ballady stuff. Um, the Elvis, kind of band... Elvis Costello? Yeah. The kind of band... It, basically, these bands came up in like the late 60s, sorry. Late 60s and 70s. Or mid-60s, I suppose. They got very famous. It was like the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners and this band, the Wolf Tones, and you know a few other bands that were doing something that hadn't really been done before. They'd taken these sort of like Irish ballads that were traditional only had been sung like in pubs or whatever, and they're making them into this a band format, basically copied from the folk, the American folk scene. So it's like basically bluegrass kind of lineup, except with emphasis on songs and not really the, like the musicianship. So you'd have a guitar, you'd have a, a five-string banjo, you'd have a, a mandolin, you know, and then a, maybe a fiddle or a whistle or something like that, you know. So I was basically got, got roped into the, to playing with these bands. It was great, you know, like uh, I got to tour around and made some money and, and uh, you know, it was just, it was all cool. It wasn't really, it wasn't really my cup of tea and, um, the group I was playing with wasn't kind of wasn't really going anywhere. Um, it was kind of the the twilight era of of this guy. He he sort of broke up like like Eric Burton now. I'm going to see Eric Burton. I like him. <laughs> I told you I saw him like three years ago and it was great. Really? Yeah, he was awesome. I can he jeez because I I was. Somebody had tickets and I was tempted to go with it to see it's it was Eric Burton and the Animals yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Kings and yeah. I was just like uh. I was at that gig it was fantastic really yeah fantastic wow that's a, that that place isn't that, that bad to see a show no it's I mean they kind of they kind of it's criminal in terms of like they make you pay in terms of like the drinks yeah, and stuff yeah, but yeah. Um, I saw Michael McDonald there too oh was, yeah it, yeah that was a nice show um, oh but 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 yeah so I wanted to get back in terms of like the the, the owners of the, these places, I mean, what's that like to deal with? They're all different, man. They're all different. Some people... Some places, they... They, they don't get it at all. It doesn't, ma and it's regard, it doesn't matter if they're Irish or not. It's whether they understand what you're doing. Actually, a lot of times the Irish, Irish owners are worse. Some of them just want to make a buck, so they... they they're like, oh, we'll get some music in here. And they expect 500 people to show up, you know, even though they don't advertise anything. And 
you're not like a head, like a headline band. You know, you're not even a, you're not even a band. You know, you're just like right. three guys gonna play some traditional music. Um, and they're like, oh, no one was here, and they're, you know, angry or disappointed, and you know, sometimes they'll threaten not to pay you or try not. To pay Have you ever, but you've, but because these these venues are typically outside of where you're currently living, mm-hmm. do you ever? What kind of information do you have about the venue before going to play there? Often, not much. I mean, you have either word of mouth. Um, like the Raglan Road, the thing down in Florida is, um, you know, they are huge business. They're they're mobbed all the time. Um, the music is incredibly secondary. Like, literally, you're up there for half a night, and they'll tell you to like basically turn the volume nearly off. For and, what? And they want you to kind of suck. In, in, in lieu of what? In lieu of playing well and with, a, you know, at a normal volume. Because... They have, like, flat screen TVs on or something? No, they don't have TVs. But the bit, the, the restaurant is so busy, they, they just want to turn tables. So they don't want people to stick around and get invested in the music. Oh. <laughs> so they want you to suck. They want you to be, like not entertaining so that people will leave you know and then as soon as they, they as soon as the tables are all gone they're like right alright come on lads come on like, you know, like, make, it, make it fun make it good and then you're just like Jesus we've been here you know four hours and no one gives a shit anymore <laughs> like, you're supposed to pull out like reserves of energy or something so you know that's a little disappointing because how, how are you supposed to be entertaining to yourselves, let alone to anyone else. You know? Right, because you're just sitting around, and then it's like you—I mean—you see what's going on. Right. You know, and then on the other, the flip of that is we have this this gig that I, I've been doing actually this gig for, for about eight years. For, you know, for at least at least one month a year, it's like a residency we do down in St. Louis. Yes, I was going to bring that up, mm-hmm. and you not not for the music, you know, for the other reason. Well, St. Louis basically is this bar called McGurk's. John D. McGurk's. It's in like the historic Soulard. It's like the French Quarter equivalent of um, St. Louis. It's like old red, red brick neighborhood. Very cool neighborhood. And this Irish bar has been there since like seventies. And their whole thing was live Irish music every night. And it's on stage, so it's, it's not really like a session. It it you know it'd be like a gig, but. As formal or informal as you care to sort of make it, um, and they bring bands in from. It's usually like a, basically they they put you up right next door and they have a three bedroom place, so it's always like a three piece band, you know, so everyone gets. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of how it works. But they've covered the wall behind the stage of like photos of everyone who's played there. It's all, you know. Tr- Famous traditional Irish music, musicians, you know, guys that I had grown up listening to, like heroes of, of ours that like have played this gig, you know. So it's it's really important to us to be on this stage. It's a really big big deal. So when I did this gig like eight years ago, I was like like really really delighted and you know nervous and very like very precious about this gig, you know, like about doing a good job and stuff and. Uh, <laughs> they basically they take really good care of you you're treated like family they put you up right next door they feed you full of drink you don't pay for a drink the whole month you're there what if you got like some alcoholic who's just like like 
guzzling down Jameson. That's that's okay. That's pretty much a lot of it. Wow. People, <laughs> like, that's, that, they're no strangers to that. You know? <laughs> I wish I was a musician. Um, you know, they feed you, you. You know, it's it's good. It's good. And you play five nights a week. You know, you do a three hour gig, an hour hour set, half hour break, hour half hour break, hour, and uh, it's great. You know, you can do a good gig. You can. The girls there dancing around, and you can like. What are the people like? That what are the patrons like? Not, I mean, that's one thing I've always been curious about. Not just St. Louis, but like Orlando. All over, yeah. Um, the Orlando gig is families. I mean, it's tourists. It's all tourists. So it's just families. You know, angry fathers looking for. When you say tourists, are tourists within the United States. Mostly, yeah. Um, few from, yeah. I mean, plenty from. Britain from Europe, a lot of a lot from like South America would come up to um, Orlando, like a lot of like you know folks from like Brazil and Argentina. Huh. Um, Europeans, some Europeans, yeah, not too many, really mostly Americans. Because it's weird, like sometimes when I do uh, um, stand-up gigs and, I, and they book me early just to kind of get mm-hmm. the ball rolling or whatever, I'm I'm doing I'm like performing in front. Of People don't who, speak English. Well, a lot of Australians. Okay. Um, like if I go, like if I go on, like right, I guess when people get off of work, like you know, if they book mm-hmm. me on like six, six or seven, yeah, it's all tourists, mm-hmm. all mainly a lot of Australians. Wow. And because Australians apparently take, they, when they go on vacation, they'll take like two months off. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so weird, and you know, they're they're also very into their stand-up comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been told. Which is. Kind of the opposite of apart from apart from Britain, Europe, stand-up comedy is not really much of a thing in most of Europe until recently. Not not, not Scotland because I was told. No, like, Scotland is yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, apart from Britain, part like you know. Okay. Scotland, England, Ireland. Wales. Do you consider Scotland part of Britain? Well, I mean. By default, right? By default, I mean by law, I suppose now. But you know, I try not to. I mean, I was very disappointed with the the vote and the referendum. Yeah, I was kind of I was rooting for that too. But no, no. The reason why I wanted to talk about uh, St. Louis. Remember that, that that millionaire that we met? And he was like, yes. "Oh, when I'm when I'm in when I when I'm, when I'm in St. Louis, uh, yeah, look me yeah. up." I, was, I remember that guy, Don um, Don Bryant. What did you think? You lost his card. Yeah, my my bag got stolen <laughs> like that night with his business card in it, with my like my iPod and stuff as well. But like from that. From that apartment? Yeah. No, no. Uh, from the gig. Remember, I was going straight to a gig. I had my guitar. That's how we started talking to the guy. Oh, right, 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 right. Did I go with you to that? Is that the ear in? No, that was Mona's. That w- oh, okay. Yeah. It's the same place I was going to. Remember when I went there with, a, with the garbage ca- garbage bag full of wine from the wine tasting we did? <laughs> oh, right. Dude, I was thinking about that today. Remember? Okay, so there was one gig that we did. And I got so... I was probably the, the most drunk I've ever been in my life. Because we went... I got hammered at the gig. And then I, I... We went... I think we went one other place. And I got... I kept drinking. And then we went to this... Maybe this place that you're talking... Because you, you said, I want to take you to this one place. I perform here or whatever. And I was so hammered. And as soon as we got to the, the actual bar, I just put my head down. Mm. And I was just like, yeah. I, I think that was one. I don't know where the fuck I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never been that drunk <laughs> in my life. You're pretty hammered. <laughs> You're hammered there, and the other, the other place. Cause I've only, I mean, I, how many times have I been out drinking with you? Maybe like half a dozen times properly, right? 
actually, I, I will. I, I have to say, you know, we, we haven't hung out a lot throughout the years, but the times that we have have been dynamite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that one time? There was one time where uh, I needed you to be my wingman. Yes. And we went to that place on. Uh, it's like Second Avenue and in like in the twenties, like Second Avenue and Twenty Six. Like or Tiki Bar, kind of. No, 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 it wasn't that, no. It was like it was one of those bars where you have to go downstairs, like like three steps downstairs. Okay. And the girl that I was trying to hook up with had like a gay friend, like a chubby gay friend, <laughs> who looked like Andy Richter. <laughs> and then, like for some reason, he, I, I don't know if he liked you, but I just like, oh, dude, just talk to him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He's a nice guy. <laughs> I was gonna take one for the team though. <laughs> I can't. But what? I don't even remember what. What gig was that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was. Was that a gig or? It had to been. Yeah. I remember like, I remember one night we ended up in that happy ending bar down in like. What? It was like a, like an ex like Asian massage parlor. It was just like a it's like a bar nightclub now, but it used to be like Oh it yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. It had like the little weird sauna booth and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was me and you and a bunch of other people mm-hmm. and then and then like I got I I like blacked out or something and I couldn't find anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> oh man, our early twenties. What that <laughs> but I guess you know obviously I don't I mean I still do that type of work but obviously I don't I don't behave that way but um, do you find you know as you like it must be challenging in the sense that like you know when you have like like an, like a, like an annual gig or, or something that's regular where you have to group, get a group of people together mm-hmm. like what if whether it's St. Louis or whatever right what if those people are at different places in their lives? It's funny. You, you uh, I mean, I've been through like a lot of friends who I played with a lot, like a lot. People I played with four nights a week for three years, and then it falls apart and they go off and do other things. They live in different countries now. They like you know. It's kind of like it's like family or friends. I mean, you just you know, it's not like you're cutting ties with these people. I mean you might cut ties with some people through bad experiences or whatever but mostly like you just kind of grow I guess just grow like the way you say like you grow apart from people there you just don't see them as much you know uh, so you make other things happen you make other no I mean I don't mean how it is in ter- I'm sure the you know the machine still rolls mm-hmm. on I mean how is it for you It's it's a good thing and a bad thing, you know. It sucks when you like miss people you want to play with or like you know people you look forward to playing music with, and then you can't anymore, you know. But it can open other doors, so you can be like, I've had gigs where like literally never played a note, never even heard the person play until we're on stage together, and like, ta da! You're gonna be playing that with that person for you know five nights a week for the next three, four weeks. You so know. you just kind of like... You make it happen. You just know? dive in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this 
the thing with playing a traditional music is you have a common repertoire. You know, unless someone actually sucks, which, you know, I've never had that experience, but, you know, there is a common core of, of music that, to be involved in this scene, you have to know this repertoire of music of whatever, these certain hundred and, not hundred, but like, maybe like thousand to fifteen hundred songs, or not songs, tunes, and like some song, be able to play it on songs and accompany songs and stuff like that. Oh well, that was be that was another question I had. So like, is there so so people who I'm not talking about like you know the tourists or, or like mm-hmm. Joe Schmo who goes to the bar. I'm, like people who are familiar with the genre, they're expecting certain songs. No, no, but they'd be expecting a certain style. Okay. I mean, like basically, if you're playing traditional jigs and reels, like that's the two two different like they're tunes in different time signatures. You know, different types of tunes. So like jigs, reels. Horn pipes, barn dances, you know, maybe waltzes over. Um, within those type of tunes, there there's probably like a core of two or three hundred of those that like you can't even sit down to play with other people unless you know like the majority of those. And there would be like the common kind of session tunes. But then to be like a good player, like you'd have to know like at least another few hundred of those, and then most pros would know like twice that, you know, up into like a thousand, fifteen hundred different tunes to be able to pull out at any time, you know. So the way it works, someone would like, you know, Bobby over here would launch into a set of tunes, would play maybe a set of three tunes, play each one maybe four or five times, then change to the next one, change to the next one. The tunes are kind of arranged like that. And if you know them you join in, if you don't know them you don't play right okay um, and then you just kind of wait for the for it to cycle back into something you do now yeah when well, it changes the next tune and you know that one everyone jumps in you know and it's it's perfectly acceptable to sit out tunes um, more acceptable than to play if you don't really know it um, that's kind of how it, how it goes you know so like anyone I would hire for a gig or be be playing a gig with would would know all these tunes you know they might play them differently, different style, different um, variations of the of the tunes and stuff like that. But you know, enough well, to get you, um, I, there's something I've been meaning to ask you also mm. too about you. Uh, you did a CD too with. Um, I mean, I, I got it. I, I don't know what I did with it. You 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 uh, you, accom- you were accompaniment to mm-hmm. uh, a singer. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, but she was. I mean, it was a. I mean, it was a big. Kind of, a, I think it was an Indiegogo fund, a campaign, and uh, to support her CD, and you were on it. Um, I think, she, yeah, no, the, the, these are maybe it was the only, the only album I did with a singer was like years, like ten years ago. I don't think it was that long ago. Okay, that was Allison Barber. N- yeah, no, it wasn't. That wasn't her. No. You haven't worked with another girl um, since then. I've done like a fiddle player girl. Like, maybe uh, she was. She's not a singer. No. The most recent one I did was uh, with a, a really young fiddle player. She's only like sixteen. She's a really great fiddle player. Maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe yeah. that's what I was thinking of. And, um, is she she in New York? Or? She's ba- she's based out of like upstate New York. She actually just moved to Ireland. Um, she's up in like around like Finger Lakes region. So um, yeah, she's kind of like one of these sort of child prodigy type. 
young girls, you know, she's been like playing since she was like four years old or something, you know. Um, uh, growing up, did you, what was your perception of Ireland? Well, um, I didn't really know anything about it until I, when I started playing Irish music at, at the age of nine. So there's a, a big thing that actually just happened this past weekend over in Sligo. This sort of Irish music organization, it's kind of like a cultural sort of incubator, I guess, for, for traditional music and culture. Um, it's called Cultus Kiltri Erin, which is Irish music, basically. Um, Irish music and culture, I guess. Um, they started as a, a basically a mission to sort of save the, the soul of Irish music, or just to, to, to basically keep it alive and keep it being played. Um, this is back in the what, 450s or something like that, you know? And it sort of grew and grew from there. But one of their big things that they implicated was uh, this series of competition. Um, you know, so people would compete on fiddle or flute or harp or pipes or anything like that um, in different age groups. And group competitions and stuff like that. And uh, it's, became a, it's become a big, big thing uh, in, in traditional Irish music. Um, in, in Scotland as well? Well, it, it's grown, so it's really worldwide now. So there's there's different regions, and you have to like compete in your region. And if you qualify in that region, then you then you get to compete in, in Ireland. So like Scotland and England have so many Irish music players there that they have two regions. So like there's a Scottish regional, and you have to win if you compete there and win, you get to. The, to do the All Britain, and then if you win there, you go to the All Ireland. So then, over here, like there's a there's like the Midwest and then the Mid Atlantic, and if you if you qualify either of those, you go straight to Ireland. So, um, as a kid, you know, I was with this this branch. They're kind of like the black sheep branch of, of Scotland. You know, they were very small compared to like the other ones. Um, we didn't really have any like hotshot players who could win competitions and things like that. So we were always kind of the underdogs, but they, they, they made us compete anyway just to represent our group or whatever. So at the age of... Like a Disney war, uh, Disney movie. I feel like a heartwarming mm -hmm. ending coming on. Yeah, it's like bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> but be, be, you know, so like at the age of 10, I was like competing these silly competitions, you know, and I didn't really care. I had no interest. I was not a competitive kid at all. Who who would insert you into these competitions? The sort of leaders of the branch, oh, right. sort of okay. the committee of the branch, and, and like our music teachers and stuff like that. Um, but the upside of that was, I never. I mean, I never really got anywhere. I wasn't like, you know, I was okay in the tin whistle, but I didn't really take it serious enough to like be competitive and try and win and try and like and, and wait wait so how did you guys place 
Oh, last, if not... <laughs> actually, like, last, if not, like, disqualified for, for some reasons. Like, there's a whole... Actually, it's very... A very talked about subject is, like, the sort of bureaucracy of the whole organization. Like, from, from the high end in Ireland all the way down to, like, the branches and stuff like that. But they... There's a lot of people who didn't want a, there to be another branch in Glasgow and didn't think we should be there. So they would come up with any reason to disqualify us from competition. So like, you know, disqualifying 12-year-old kids from their <laughs> little tin whistle competitions. Kids who weren't going to win anyway. And like, you know, they're you know, just really kind of... It's like the Bad News Bears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Did you ever have a, any desire to, to go forward with... Um, with... Um, Rock music? Like, well, I did. I mean, like, at the age of... So I did, like, the traditional music thing exclusively until I was, like, probably 15. And I started playing guitar. Um, and then I still played whistle on the side and played, like, with the, the sort of... The little band and stuff like that that we had. And... So that kind of like just kind of, you know, tipped away for like the next few years. But I started playing guitar and, you know, maybe everyone, you know, have a band and all that stuff. But basically I was playing with like a couple guys who were good, but like none of us wrote music <laughs> at all. So like we just kind of... Did covers? Yeah, yeah. I mean like, you know, and it actually ended up being really funny because we ended up playing in this kind of classic rock cover band that with like my friend on bass and his dad is the lead singer <laughs> you know it's like Van Halen yeah exactly exactly what was that like <laughs> it's great oh it was, it was awesome we played like biker rallies and stuff like that just playing like ACDC and wow Black Sabbath and, and he, obviously he was older so he gave you legitimacy because yeah yeah it's cool and he's and he's great He's a great singer, funny, like hilarious guy, lunatic, awesome guy. Um, so we did that. We, we to totally just for fun. I mean, we like you know, it was it was good. We were we were all like, you know, tried to make it sound good and, and, and you know practice and got tight at it and stuff like that. But you know, just did it for fun. You know, I had, I had inklings of like trying to start. You know, a more serious project with with people and all that, but I didn't really. I just didn't really meet anyone else that I would jive with, and that was this was also along the same time as where I was like not interested in meeting new people. This was all the same time that that <laughs> whole thing. So I was like, "Fuck you! I don't care. I don't care what you're into." Like, how would you say? that you are now well a lot of things happened so I I moved over here on my own I had nothing to do so I ended up working at a summer camp as an <laughs> arts and crafts counselor <laughs> was it religious? no uh, it, w it was not religious no, not religious, although it was mostly Jewish kids. 
Um, it was up in Connecticut, and it was... Was that your first exposure to Jewish kids? Yes, by a long shot. It was funny, I, you know, I, I went along to this sort of, like, job fair for these, like, summer camp things. And you basically like go all, all over the different booths and see what like they all have to offer, and they talk to you and kind of do like an informal interview. They ask what you what you're into and what you've what kind of experience you've had and stuff like that. So I was thinking, oh, it might be cool to like work at a, a camp with you know kids who are either have like learning difficulties or, <laughs> or Jewish. Oh, no, 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 or like you know impoverished or kids who have like you know. Anything like kids that need right. help yeah. in, in some way, you know, because I'd done that stuff before. I'd, I'd, I'd done like voluntary work with like disabled people and stuff like that earlier in my teenage years. So I started like you know was going around the different booths, and I actually remember like totally like ch- like chatting up one of the girls who was like working at one booth and like just like chatting her way and like ready to sign myself on, and then realized it was like. Actually, like a fully Jewish, like, <laughs> and she's like, I was like, oh wait, and she's like, what? You're not, you're not gonna tell me you're not Jewish, are you? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not Jewish. Sorry. <laughs> like, can I still have your number? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> she's like, uh, no. <laughs> Murray Sting, that's cool. Yeah. But that's the that's what you end up working. At. No, no. So what what happened was I then. got talking to the people from this other camp and it, you know the camp sounded really co- really cool like all the facilities sounded good like you know it sounded great but I thought it was one for like kids that were coming from like disadvantage disadvantaged right. situation you know like and uh, I signed up for it and it turned out it was a camp that up until I guess maybe 10 years or something previously had been only for, for Jewish kids but they, they'd open it up, and it wasn't it wasn't like that anymore. It, just, it happened to be a lot of Jewish kids, but it wasn't like a religious at all. But it was for incredibly rich kids, <laughs> like these un, like the, the kids. I want to say like the, the cost of the kids for the kids to go there for the four week semester was like forty thousand dollars. It's a summer, summer, right? For four weeks. Jeez. And there would be like kids who had. Were like, they getting like sirloins? They uh, like they spent uh, put it this way they they spent like two hundred <laughs> they spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on their fireworks display for the Fourth of July. Jeez, I was Did, like Lenny Kravitz come out like bust out his dick. No, but like all the kids that like all the kids were there were like celebrity children basically. Like I, in my uh, in my bunk, I had the kid of the the guy who owns Corona. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you remember. Um, Remember the OC? <laughs> the show? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so you remember like the dad? Vaguely, yeah. So his kids were at, like at, at the oh, camp, wow. like, you know, a lot of like, you know, TV and movie people like. What were they like? Yes. Were they bratty? Not them, but just in general. Oh, yeah, like, hor- like a lot of kids were horrible. Were they like, fuck you? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I had, I requested like, like ten year olds, like you could put like an age group that you would like like to kind of work with. Why ten? I think we're getting back to Jared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> ten. You you want to make it at least double digits? Yeah. Well, you know, like, there's still that age you can like slick back the hair and pretend they're younger. <laughs> it's 
Kate Moss. Yeah, yeah. Nearly skinny enough. Um, no, they're, they're like the age before they, before they're assholes, basically. But you learned otherwise. No, they were cool. They oh. were cool. Like, I mean, and I was an arts and crafts counselor, so I had to teach all all the age groups, and the older kids were dicks. You know. How old? They went up to like sixteen. Jeez, yeah, sixteen. Yeah, fuck that. Like sixteen-year-old assholes from the Hamptons and from like, you know, middle middle villages of Connecticut, like, you know. But were they on their like cell phones? No, it was kind of just a little a little before oh, that. Okay, right. Still, um, well, this is in two thousand two, two thousand three, I guess. Um, so it was a, kind of a preposterous summer. But it's cool. I mean, it was. I get paid. I actually get paid more than most of my colleagues because they came over on like the exchange, pro- the Camp America, like exchange program coming from overseas. Why are they recruiting people from overseas? Because they get cheap labor, basically. Where are they recruiting from? Any particular country? All over. A lot, lot, lot from Britain. Um, they get a lot of their sort of support staff from like Eastern Europe, like Poland, Czech Republic. You know. Did they have a grasp on American culture? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of them are speaking perfectly. No, no, I didn't mean the language. I just meant like culture, the ins yeah, and outs. Sure. Of, yeah. Well, you know, they learn as they go. Same as they, they wouldn't have any less grasp on American culture than like the Scottish or English ones or the Australian ones coming over. A lot from Australia, a lot from New Zealand. They do. They get. A, they get a visa for the summer. Right. They work for for eight weeks, and then they have like. I think another eight weeks they could make, they could just travel and, and hang out and stuff. Um, so it's uh, a good deal for them. They get paid for some of it. And then a lot of hooking up. Not for me. Huh. Um, You're busy, was, with, busy with your recorder. No. Well, that, this is the funny thing. Like, I got there and I was like, "Oh, this is cool," you know. But I was I was older than most of the. Kids. That's what I was thinking. I was, like, I, was doing, I was doing the math. A lot of them were like straight from high school, yeah. like eighteen, nineteen. And, like, I got there, and it was, like, fucking high school again. It was all, like, the in crowd, if you weren't, like, cool, this, that, you know, this type of person. Basically, if you weren't, like, A-type personality, you were just, like, you know, second You mean with the counselors? Mm-hmm. Wow. Kind of dickish. Um, a lot of guys who were, like, you know, you had to be, like, the social vibe, but, like, literally people had, like, not give... You, we, you would probably, to. like, have to work for on, like, at a catering event. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a lot of, yeah, there would be a lot of, like, rich kids who were like, oh, they're summer in America, you know, like... Right, yeah. Um, do you remember... So, sorry, that just reminded me. Remember that... Do, did you work that gig with me on the... Uh, it's like... It was Park Avenue, and I remember the address was 911 Park Avenue. It was a rich guy, obviously... Um, he had roots in Rhode Island because I remember the event was like he was running for some sort of office and you had like a lot of boosters from Rhode Island I don't know um, I, I worked I mean J- Jackie never worked any of these events it was yeah, Jeff yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I remember I worked I was working the bar and there was this like this camaraderie com- like old guy and they I had Johnny Walker Black but I didn't put it out there so the host very nice guy uh-huh. super nice you would remember him because he paid us in the beginning I think I do remember this and he had a dog who would come into the, the kitchen the kind of like white furry dog is that this? yeah I think so okay and like 
Yeah, they were real socialites. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he had, like, so there were drinks, like, his own drink. Like, I mean, we had, like, the wine, mm-hmm. and then he had his own drinks. He said, well, obviously, if anybody asks, you can, you know, go ahead and make them, like, a, you know, whatever. I yes. went, yeah, okay, I got it. No problem. Right, right. So this old, like, William S. Burroughs-looking fucker <laughs> comes up to me, and he says, I want the Johnny Walker Black. I didn't have it out there. I'm like, all right, all right. So I said, do you want a, you want a, like, what kind of glass do you want? You want a, I had, like, highballs and stuff. So he gives me, like, a pint glass. <laughs> goes, Put it in there. So, okay. I'm like, all right, fucker. So I give him, but I give him the amount that you would have for, like, a shot or something. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe a little bit more. And he goes, I'm 87 years old. You give me the appropriate amount. <laughs> All right, man. Like, cause I was like, he was like rude to me, but I was like respecting the fact yeah, that he was yeah. rude. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. filled that shit up about like right where this was of like Johnny Walker. No, he had was it black? Yeah, it was black. It was Johnny Walker black. Maybe it was maybe it was blue. Anyway, I filled that shit up there. I said, "You want some ice?" He went, "No." <laughs> and he came back and did it again, and the third time, he looked like somebody just like like resurrected from the dead. <laughs> yeah, and he couldn't even talk. I say, hey, what's going on? Uh, you want another one? Uh, if I pour it, are you not going to spill it? Uh, okay. Uh. That's great. I do remember, but, I mean, like, that's the one thing, like, I, I've always been, I've always been glad that I've, I've been put in situations, because I mean, I grew up, like, very you know, low-income, working-class family. You know, we didn't have anything. We didn't... There was no, like... We didn't know... I didn't know any rich people. I didn't know any, like, the sort of... upper echelon of society or anything like that. So... I've always been happy to be, like, put in situations... You know, working gigs or, or playing music for people or with people who are, like... Very much different types of... Types of people and like some of these these catering gigs we've gotten to do, we meet like really cool people and you know even if they're not cool like you get you learn something about like just the way people are with like yeah definitely and I think like for me I don't know if you felt this way but for me there was a, a switch that I turned on where it's like I can walk around here and just be like oh you know I'm a bartender or a waiter and just kind of like Ugh. or just be like I don't give a fuck. Like, whatever, I'm going to talk to you like I'm a human being, and you can talk to me that way too, like, whatever, or, or not. Or if you want to be a bitch or an asshole, that's on you, but I'm going to be, like, who I am. Right. And I'm going to own, like, I'm just doing this thing, but we're here. So when I did that, things got a lot more easy for me. I mean, granted, you're going to meet assholes regardless oh, yeah, of, like... Yeah, yeah but you can, you, can, you can decide whether you're going to engage right. the situation and the people that are there, or not, you know? And sometimes you're not in the mood, sometimes you're just like... I'm just in this game, you know. Um, and you always meet cool people. You always meet people who will, like surprise you and how like how they are. Like your your man Don Bryan, who like <laughs> you know for for you guys listening out there, basically we were serving this man's own wine to his like incredibly rich guests. Remember the rug? Yeah, yeah. We, they had a there was Kandinsky a white- rug. Like, a, basically a one-off Kandinsky rug. <laughs> this guy had, like, you know... I remember you saw the painting, and you were like, oh, I did a paper on this. Yes, yeah, I wrote a painting on the... I wrote a paper on this, like, particular, um, like, Jackson Pollock, or what was it? Picasso was on Did we... Wall. I can't remember. Did we actually take off our shoes? 
Because we were so nervous to spill anything on the rug. No, but we nearly like shed our pants because we were like carrying <laughs> like trays full of glasses of red wine over this like white carpet. We're just like, <laughs> just I'll just chuck it. Yeah, yeah. Might as well just pour it over here now, <laughs> just to get the get get it over and done with. But you know, here's this guy, and he then he's totally like a nice guy. He gives me his number, his secretary's number, and offers me like baseball game tickets in St. Louis because he knows I'm going to be there and he knows the bar that I play at and he's just like oh yeah here like you know take whatever right. you want like you know the guy doesn't have to do that he's like he could very easily treat us like complete plebs like that's how we are you know but like but that's the thing like if we if we had that I mean I remember choking around with that guy hmm. and I think if you had the attitude of like oh I'm just here I'm just serving you and I can't wait you to get, get, you I can't get, wait to get the fuck out right you wouldn't get anything out of that you wouldn't engage in him and you would just be like I can't wait to fucking leave I hate the, you know I hate this I'm you know I, I'm more than a servant fuck this place right but yeah I guess yeah so that's circling back to like something that I, I so before how you were saying how you were in a situation in Scotland where you're like man I just Fuck these people! I want to get the fuck out of here. And honestly, I I've gone through that. I, I feel that I I juggle that even like now. Yeah, yeah I do too. I, I'm like so. There are days where I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Fuck this. Yeah. Fuck everybody. Yeah, then yeah, fuck yeah. this guy. He's bullshit. Fuck her. Fuck. And it becomes like a filter, right? Where you just kind of like view the whole world of like this negative energy. Yeah. But it's a filter that's like full of shit, so nothing gets through either. Like that's right. You know, you so, need to clean the filter sometimes. You know. So how do you do that? How do you clean the filter? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's introspection. I mean, you gotta look, just kind of look at yourself and realize what's making you like this as compared to compared compared to how you are when you're in a good place. You know, what's happened to you that's making you like this, or what are you unhappy with? That, that makes you like that. I mean, you know, we all go through stuff. We all go through difficult times in our lives when, you know, loss or hardships or, or you know, whatever things like that. And sometimes it's a thing like that that can just flip you and you're realizing you're, you're just, you know, sucked your soul away or you're, you're clouded with something, you know, Sometimes I think it's just time. It can be things that wear you down. I mean, New York City, can, it's a hard city. That can just, that can just wear you down, like wear you, like, wear you out, you know? Are you still in love with New York City? Nah. Where would you, where would you go? Rest your head? I don't know, actually. Um, well, you were in Milwaukee recently. How was that? Milwaukee school was just there for the weekend. Um, Were you like, New York isn't so bad? (laughs) No, I mean, like... I'm not sure where I would go. There's a lot of places I would would happily try. Um, As I said, I spent a lot of time in St. Louis. I have a lot of good friends there. Um... I had a conversation with a friend of mine down there. He plays music. Very talented musician. He play. He teaches music, maybe like... He does like online lessons and then does like... 
he has maybe like whatever half dozen students he had you take up maybe like three hours a week and then he plays regularly on a Monday night and then about three months out of the year he'll have a gig for five nights a week for maybe three weeks at a time so he has an awful lot of time off and you know he's you know, kind of you know vaguely kind of country guy you know he goes out hunting a couple times a year seasonally he just chills out he's bought his house you know has a nice you know owns, owns a car two cars actually you know goes out cycling has his hobbies plays music it's pretty nice living makes money pays his mortgage easily he has a nice like an easy pretty nice life you know sounds nice and I like not, it and he's not like an ambitious like particularly ambitious outlook he's not like ever, like always chasing something you know he's a great musician he's into like making good music and like projects with people and stuff like that but he's not like chasing something all, all the time which I think in New York you can't help but be doing that all the time whether well, it's just like the pressure of having to pay your rent is so fucking high compared to everywhere else or like just paying for the, co the cost of living or things like you know, like things like grocery shopping or doing your fucking laundry in the city is so hard right you know? like I have a car now and I can't you know I can't really live in the city with a, with a car now I have to live like miles away you <laughs> know I'm, I'm only set, like temporarily there anyway but like you just remember like dragging your laundry like nine blocks to like a laundromat <laughs> like sweating while you're waiting and like talking to bullshit people who are like harassing you for stuff like all like the way there and yeah. it's, like, my biggest thing is like picking out like what's gonna occupy my time like what book am I gonna read or am I just gonna like fuck around on my phone yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or, or like you know I end up the assholes that are there whether you trust to like Leave, yeah. go back to your apartment, and then uh, like, back to the retreat. Have you ever had that, like, where you've come back and like your laundry's been moved? From yeah. yeah, you're yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like pa panic for like, you like no one else in the world. Uh, like, not, not, no, no, not no one else in the world. I mean, this is like you know, first world problems. Like you know, <laughs> like people like people in any other city, they don't deal with that. They just have, like, oh, you doing the laundry? You go put it in your, in your laundry machine that's over there. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to go down to the garage to put it like, in there. Or like, you know, I mean, if you're lucky, sure, like, I mean, you probably have laundry in the building here, right? Yeah. Right. You know, it's because you have a nice place. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it just like things like, or like grocery shopping and hauling like a thousand bags, like. Oh, how many, like, yeah, exactly. How many, how many curls have I done this week? Yeah, right? exactly. Can yeah. I, how many can I fit on each arm? And then you feel bad because they, they you know, they triple bag everything. So you have like, you know. You're basically carrying like 17 dead sea turtles. Like, you know, <laughs> plus oh yeah, 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 they're all gonna get tangled in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, I hate myself. You know, <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Like, you know, you're trying to eat well, but then you just can't. It's like, <laughs> there's one Whole Foods in Brooklyn, and you know they charge like nine thousand dollars for a loaf of bread. Where's it? Where's it in Brooklyn? It's like down like Gowanus. Oh well, they're putting one in, in Bedford. Yeah. You miss this place? You miss this area at all? No. Yeah, it's. No. It's kind of a. It's definitely becoming Soho for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and like I get it. I mean, I, you know, New York City is just fucking New York City. Like you know, there's it's cool. I don't think it's as cool as it once was. 
I think it's getting harder and harder. But my thing for like other cities, like so many people have rejected New York and Chicago and LA and even like whatever Seattle, Portland. They're even like people are bailing out of those cities too, you know. So they're going to like the smaller cities and creating like a better scene in these places. And I think like Again, I'll bring up St. Louis just because I spent a lot of time there. But, like, you know, it's got an artsy scene. It's got a music scene that is of a manageable size. So when something goes on, everyone comes out to it. People support each other. It's not like New York City where people are so jaded. They're like, ugh, I don't even want to go out because, like, I can't even bother deciding where to go. Yeah. Or, like... Who's playing? Like, oh, fuck him. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... When things are a manageable size, people, you know... There's like one big thing to do each, you know, each weekend or each night of the week. So people go to things like that, you know. It seems like, in a lot of ways, it seems a better, a better way. Yeah, I've been thinking about a lot of that too. Um, you know, I've been thinking, I've been looking at like weird different cities to live in that yeah. I've never, like Hawaii or Montana. I've never even been to either one of okay, those cities. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it'd be so such a vastly different change of pace than here um, uh, but yeah it's definitely been on my mind in the sense of like yeah. your environment just dictates your your mood and your way of thinking and um, yeah it would be nice to just have like kind of like just peace and like and also too like I mean think about like how many just how many like cell phone wave frequency Wi-Fi shit that's going through our brain that's right, constantly that's fucking crazy because they've been dealing with this shit for so long you know? I mean there's probably like a like there's like a dick pic going in the air like across your face right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well you're also living like above like super sludge toxic this is like toxic wasteland too oh yeah of course yeah well especially if, yeah well Used to live over there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that uh, Greenpoint was more. Oh yeah. Well, actually, they're building up Greenpoint now too. Right. Greenpoint's gonna like be invaded by high rises. Yeah. Um, but but getting back to like being that you know the angry young kid, young man who was listening to Oasis and just like fuck everybody. <laughs> um, if you were to go back, you know, something that I kind of investigate with all the guests that are here, and before we run out of time, if you were to if you were to time travel to that guy, what would you say to him? I'd probably say, if I could go back further, I would, I would try and talk myself into, like, caring more in school and, like, doing a better job in, like, school stuff. But then, it's hard because I don't have, I don't necessarily, I'm not unhappy with where I am right now. I'm, I'm a successful musician. I'm getting to play great music. I have good friends. I have good... Good opportunities and good and good things going on. So it's hard to it's hard to go back and be like, oh, I wish none of this had happened. No, no, but that, but that's I would, not I would, necessarily. I would, that. I, would go, I would tell myself to like do a better job in school. Maybe like go to you know get a real degree. You know, even yeah. have to use it. Okay, I, I should I should I should uh, rephrase. rephrase that. It doesn't have to be a. a a, 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 like a, a, a note of advice it yeah. could be like a head nod it could be anything you want I'm just saying like if you had the opportunity to go back there 
what would you do or what would you say to that guy <laughs> practice more <laughs> <laughs> I always been like lazy when it comes to like practicing my instruments so I'd, like, I'd go back and be like practice more start writing songs you know um, okay, so I'll get you out on this. Uh, sure. The, the, the question I ask uh, all my guests, what excites you? What are you into now? What is happiness for you right now? Um, a good, happiness is a good balance of things. Like, I need good people time, good alone time, good like outside time outdoor stuff um, in October I'm taking a, a week long trip I'm going to fly to Denver and then going up to like Yellowstone National Park and have you been there before? Over to Badlands National Park no I've never been to either of them um, I've been to a lot of the parks and stuff around the states but I've never been to either of those and I'm going alone wow. I'm just going to camp for a week myself I'm just just Soak up the mountains for a bit. You know? So, so this episode could be an obituary. Could be, yeah. You know, I might be eaten by a bear. But like, I think that, like I said, the balance makes me happy. I mean, things like that, spending time with my friends, um, appreciating my friends. Even like, I think it's very easy for people to like spend time with people without actually appreciating them. You kind of like, you might like get what you need out of the out, out of them, or just like the company from them. But you might not necessarily appreciate what who they are, what they actually provide in your life. You know, so I think that that makes me happy to sort of do that. Um, music, like I said, I'm you know I've realized that music is my drug, and I have no intention of quitting. <laughs> so like that still makes me happy. So I'm trying to do more of that, I'm trying to integrate that more, and that you're always pushing to like. I guess be involved in better quality, you know, music. I mean, that's why we all practice. That's why we do what we do because you're trying to make yourself better and surrounding yourself more with people that are going to give you a kick up the ass to be better, be a better musician. Um, you know, surround yourself by, by musicians that you are inspired by or you know very much look up to. Cool, man. That's what makes me happy. Awesome. I, uh, uh, bro, thank you. And I say bro, not in the in the sense of like, dude, bro. I mean, you, you're one of my favorite people in the world. So likewise, I, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, and, and thank you for this conversation. And uh, you know, we, you know, we, we we communicate uh, regularly, but I, there's I learned so much about you today. Yeah. So thank yeah. you, man. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, and I I, I do hope I am trying to. Uh, uh, negotiate my schedule so hopefully we can see ACDCs tomorrow uh, next week if, if that's still available it is still available okay, okay. love we'll, you to come in <laughs> okay we'll, we'll, we'll talk after after, yeah, yeah, yeah. after this but um, what are they playing? Uh, MetLife uh, Stadium okay okay okay. And I'm driving so I can, I can give you a ride and whatever you know okay okay yeah I, I should know today Any, anyway we'll, we'll, we'll talk after like, but but listeners if you're listening to this I, I, I hopefully uh, I don't, I'm not sure when this will get posted but maybe when you're listening to this I will be uh I'll be listening to Ball Breaker as you're listening to this. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week. Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world. Thanks. <laughs>